Well, good morning. Uh, if you don't know me, my name is Chris. I'm one of the elders here. And that uh, awkward pause there, I was waiting for somebody to read scripture. So, <laughs> so I apologize for that. I guess I'll be reading scripture this morning, which is okay, right? Uh, before we do, uh, I'd like to make, a, make an announcement. At our Covenant Partners meeting on Sunday night, uh, Brad uh, announced that we uh, were in co- conversation with a church in Midtown off of Evergreen called uh, Trinity United Methodist Church. This is a church building, and uh, we had had some conversations with them about moving into that space, and he said that we had a meeting on Monday. And I get to announce that we had a very favorable meeting on Monday, that uh, we are moving quickly in uh, that being our new meeting space, um, hopefully in October. Uh, So I'm inviting you guys to continue to pray about this, to continue to pray with us. And as things happen, we'll just keep you guys updated uh, as we move forward. We're excited. It gives us a larger meeting space, eight classrooms downstairs for kids, uh, there's a lot that, uh, that uh, meet our needs immediately, so uh, we're, we're excited, so I just invite you to, uh, to be praying with us. Uh, the, the second thing I'd like to say before we jump into the scriptures this morning is, it's not every day that I get to preach on my son's birthday, so if you see LJ and you haven't wished him a happy birthday, uh, ha- wish him a happy birthday. He is no longer nine, he is now ten, so big deal. So pat him on the back, and he's somewhere around here. Oh, he's back there. So uh, black Vans hoodie, wish him a happy birthday. Love you, buddy. (laughs) All right, our text this morning is Matthew 25. Matthew 25. We're going to read about the parable of the talents. Let's uh, let's pray. Let's, uh, Let's read together. Verse 14. For it will be like a man going on a journey, who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more, but he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I've made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had the two talents came forward, saying, Master, You delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his, his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have, not, I have scattered no seed? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. 
So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has, will, ha- will, will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. We are uh, in the middle of a, and close to the end of a summer series on Summer of Grace. And in this series, we have uh, tried to remind all of us of the power of grace, of the full assurance, as Ben prayed earlier, the full assurance of grace that we have in Jesus Christ, and that we can rest in that. We've we've learned that that God gives grace upon grace. We've learned that we have grace to rest. We've learned that there's grace for the needy around us, those within our group and those outside who aren't even close to God yet. We've learned that there's grace for us in our everyday. There's grace that allows us to slow down, and there's even grace that allows us to say no, that the finished work of Jesus is enough. This morning we're going to learn, hopefully this morning we're going to learn, that grace is enough for us to live a life that is risky, And I wrestled all week with using that word because when we hear the word risk or risky, some of us automatically think uh, chance of injury or uh, what are we we giving up or what are we sacrificing or what are we putting out there that could get hurt or we could really get hurt. And, and, And there's some of that, but what I'm talking about is just the action of giving up. It's just the action of of taking a chance for Jesus. And, I'm, and, and our story this morning doesn't even use the word grace. <laughs> our story this morning has nothing that we're going to have to dig through to find grace in this story, but it's here. So as we dig through it, uh, I want, you, I want to open your, our, all of our eyes and pray that God would open our eyes to see uh, the grace that's in this story. This is a parable, and if you know anything about New Testament and, and Jesus, and specifically the Gospels, when Jesus speaks of parables, these are just stories these are stories that communicate a truth. And so uh, these aren't real characters, but the parables and the characters always represent something. So in this case, the master in our story represents God, and the servants represent followers of Jesus, two, and then one who clearly is not. Um, in the background for our text, this is the fifth time in this scene that Jesus has answered the same question. And his question is, when are you coming back? And when is all this, this, this end time thing, when is this going to happen? And it's the fifth time where he's basically said the same thing. You don't know. You're not going to know. But be prepared. Be ready. Be expecting something to happen. So as we read this, I want, to keep, want you guys to keep those couple things in mind. That one, that the master in this story is God, or represents God, and two, that he is answering a question about being expectant and living in a specific way. Our big idea this morning is, is that God's grace allows us to live risky lives by using our gifts and talents in our everyday. God's grace allows us to live risky lives by using our gifts and talents in our everyday. And I would say that God expects it. That there is an understanding that God expects us to live risky lives 
lives of faith in the Christian world. That's one of our words that we would, we would say here. I want, to, I want you guys, so let's find grace in this story. And I hope to, to point out that not only is this story about the, the servant's opportunity and the servant's expectancy, but it is also about the risk and reward that we find, not just in this story, but throughout Scripture. You think about pillars of the faith, characters. We think about Noah. It was pretty risky for him to build a boat in the middle of a desert when rain didn't exist. It was pretty risky for uh, Abram to just get up, who was a pagan at this time, and follow this voice that spoke to him and just go in a direction. It's pretty risky for Jesus to be obedient to the Father, to come to earth and to take on the sins of the world. So this risk-reward, this risk is a theme within Scripture. And I hope today that we could also get to see the reward that comes from it. So let's, let's dig into our text this morning. Let's find grace together. First of all, in verse 14 and 15, grace is found in the master. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. It says, goes, goes, on a, goes on a journey. What we know about this journey is nothing. We don't know the length of time. We don't know where he's going. We have no idea. We just know that he is leaving. And he gives his, he's entrusted to his servants his own property. In verse 15 to 1, he gave five talents to another two and to another one, to each according to his ability. That last few words there, to each according to his ability, I hope is a comforting word. Because the story says that the master knew the servants. Likewise, God knows his children. God knows his people. God knows you this morning. And God knows me this morning. And so as the master knows his servants, he gives some five or one five, one two, and one one. I'm going to revisit this, I'm sure, multiple times this morning. But pay attention to this, that, that it does not matter how many talents you get. The, 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 the temptation here when you read this story is, go, is to say, well, I only got one, therefore I, sh I should pray for five. Or I only got, I, I'm not good enough because I only got two. Well, he gave them with what's, what's within their abilities. As, li as like the, the ability to, to stand up in front of people and to teach versus the ability to, to be somebody who can pray at all times and no matter what situation. They're, they're, they're different talents, but... They're different people who can receive different talents or gifts from, from God. It's, a, it's, it's ridiculous for me to say, uh, because I'm not LeBron James, I'm a, I'm a horrible human being. I'll never be LeBron James. I'm not 6'9 or whatever. I don't jump out of the gym. I don't like the, I'm also 43 years old, so I'm out. But each one according to his ability. God has gifted you and he's gifted me with different gifts. And each gift is right and, and perfect because that's what God does. If you've ever gone through the story of God, we're reminded over and over that God only does what is good, right, and perfect. So the gifts that you have been given, the talents that you have been given, and the talents that the master gives his servants is good, right, and perfect. So keep that in mind also as we read that, that the master knew his servants as God knows you. He goes on a journey. We don't know the length of time. We know that he's leaving and he's entrusting his property, all of it, to him. Very similar to 
God leaving us here on earth to help build his kingdom as the spirit moves and Jesus works in us and through us. He trusted them. The master trusted his servants. God trusts you this morning with the gifts that he's given you. And he has some expectations. And he gave them those talents. All of this is grace. These servants are employed by this guy. They don't deserve these extra things that he's given them. One thing to note, I read two different commentaries this week, and each one contradicted themselves. So I was like, all right, whatever. I don't know where to stand on this. But, so talents are either... One talent is close to 20 years' salary, or it's just a measurement of weight, and they're uncertain exactly what it means. That was the contradiction. Pretty minor in the big picture, and yet it's pretty valuable, these talents. And so these talents in this story are pretty valuable, just like the talents that God has given you and the gifts that God has given you. Whether your gifts are, are, are you even know them yet or not, you have been given gifts and talents. So we see this grace that the master gives the servants. They didn't deserve it. They didn't earn this. Just like grace that we receive through Jesus. Fullness of grace through Jesus. We don't deserve it. That's what grace is, unmerited favor, right? And that unmerited favor, that that gift that God gives us is not ours. They were given by the master to the servants, and to us by God. So everything we have, the good, the glorious, the, the things we get patted on the back for, those are all from God. And I'd ask you, what are, what are your gifts and your talents this morning? What, what comes into your mind? Can you just make money? You just know how to make money? Are you using that to the glory of God? Can you, can you help heal people? Are you a, Kelly said that my wife is a baby whisperer. Are you a baby whisperer in here? Are you using that gift to, to, the, to the glory of God? We have lots of people in here have different gifts and different abilities. Are you using those gifts and abilities this morning and in your life? Because they don't belong to you. They are not yours Be comforted this morning that that grace was given to you and that the master, God, knew you this morning. Not only do we find grace in the master, but we also find grace in the service. Verse 16 through 19. Verse 16. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. I want to be clear this morning that that within the parameters of, of this story, the servants never stopped working for the master. So... So in this conversation, in this story, they always worked for the master, which means for you and I to apply it to our lives, our service is always to God as followers of Jesus. There isn't a a, a religious activity and a non-religious activity. There isn't a Christian thing we do and a non-Christian thing we do. There isn't a a gospel-centered life and then a 
I'll just do whatever. Everything we do belongs to God and is God and is within the service of God. Just like these servants in this parable, in this story that Jesus is teaching. They worked for the master. No questions asked. It was the master's property that they were entrusted to. It was the master's talents that he gave them. And the master returned to receive or to, to be held, hold them accountable to those gifts. It never, never, never stopped. They never stopped working for the, ma- the master. There's also a risk here, though. We have no details except the ESV translates it as uh, the five talents went at once and traded with them. Traded. We have no idea what that means. But in some way, shape, or form, because of what we know, the five talents left his hands, went, and there was a transaction in order to get five more. There was some exchange. Whether he bought land, planted crops, sold those crops, and made five more talents, or he's just a great gambler or trader, and he was like, I'll trade you this fur for that, and ended up making, I have no idea what happened, we don't know. But, but that, those five talents left his hand, and those two talents left his hand. So it's in some way, shape, or form, there was a risk. There was a letting go. And, and there was nothing they could do about it. I don't believe I'm reading into this text to say that there was nothing they could do about it. They had to let go of those talents. You and I, we have the ability, because of grace, to let go. We don't have to hold on to everything at all times because God is at work in us and through us. So in our everyday lives, we can take risks. We can give up things. I'm a, I'm a proud father this week. LJ is 10. Uh, I love that kid. Uh, this, and I, and I'm, a, I'm a failing father all in one week, which is pretty much parenthood, but daily. But uh, So this week, um, we had some neighborhood kids come over like kind of late, I don't know, 8, 9 o'clock. It was getting dark, and they were hanging out on the front porch. And I was trying to do some sermon stuff in the evening and take care of some stuff, and Jamie was out there talking with them, and LJ's out there, and I'm in the kitchen, and LJ comes in and says, guess what, Dad? And I said, I said, what? He said, he said, I, I, gave, uh, I gave Larry or one of the kids, or Cortez, I gave him my scooter. And I said, you gave him your scooter? Why? And this is the parent fail part, because my immediate thought was, well, they finagled it. They manipulated him into giving it to him, or they just took it and said, we're going to take it. I thought, worst case scenario. And, 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 and Jamie's like goes to his defense and says, no, 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 no. He thought that they, want, they would like it, and so he just wanted to give, and it's okay for him to give. And there I, I go from six foot four to about three inches tall, like, you know, you're right, babe. That's... <laughs> I felt terrible. So not only am I proud that LJ is 10, but I'm also proud that, that the Spirit worked in LJ's life to move him to, to take a risk and give this scooter that he bought with his own money that I could ride. At 225 pounds, I could ride this thing and not feel like it, bre- it would break. 
This is a pretty awesome scooter, and he just gives it away. LJ let go at, at age nine, let go of a scooter that he bought with his own money and give it to somebody who he thought was in need. That is risk. That is giving up something and letting go and letting God. The, the, the servant that was given five and the servant was given two, really all three of them were given an opportunity to show their gratefulness to the master. And, and five and two did. In my notes, I have five and two, so if I say that, I'm sorry. That's what I'm talking about, the five talent, the two talent. Um, they, they, they had this opportunity in front of them to show their gratefulness by saying, I'm going to do everything I can to make more for this, for my master. Because he entrusted me. Because he gave me something, and I'm going to do everything I can to show him how grateful I am, but also to show everyone else how gracious he is. Do you see that? Likewise, you and I as followers of Jesus, as image bearers, the Bible says that we were created in his image, and because of Jesus, we can point, Jesus to G- point people to Jesus and point people to God as image bearers. Is the five and the two that did that, not the one? The five and the two use their gifts and use their talents to point people to the master and say, look, at what he, look how kind he is. Look, look at this master and to show that master how grateful that they are, that they've been entrusted with his property and they can be trusted with more because that's what the master says. The master says, you've been, you've been trusted with little, I will make you responsible for more. They were given an opportunity not just to show their gratefulness, but they were given an opportunity to to live in anticipation and expectation that the master would one day return. And you and I are living in that same expectation and anticipation that God one day, Jesus, will return. That all of this that we experience, all the highs and all the lows do not matter in the big scheme of things because Jesus is going to make everything right. They matter to us right now because they shape us and they grow us and they make us more dependent on him and they show us how good he is and how kind he is and how gracious he is. But in the big picture, he's going to make everything okay. Everything will be made new. We just sang about it. All things will be made right. We can live and we should live in the anticipation and the expectation of that. And that's the, what Jesus is, is trying to communicate with this parable is that the time is unknown, but these servants lived with anticipation and inexpectation, knowing that one day they will be held accountable for the gifts that they were given. There's no free willy-nilly, free living as a Christian. There's no, I'm just going to live however I want. We've quoted Romans 6 a few times in this summer series, 6-1. Should we go on sinning that grace may abound? There is none of that, just living however we want because there's grace. We are held accountable as the servants are held accountable to their talents that they were given. And finally, these servants were given these talents They were given these talents to point people to Jesus or point people to the master. And when I'm, 
verses 21 and verse 23, at the end, with, with to, the, to the servant who received five and to the servant he received two, and they gave him back five and two. What does he say at the end of verse 23 and verse 21? It says, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful to over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Brings joy to the master. Not because the master is greedy, but because he was right. He entrusted those servants, and, and they pointed back to the servant and brought great value to him. Because that's what uh, the word uh, glorify, if you guys have heard this word, we use it a lot in, in church. We sing about glorify the Lord. We talk about glorifying Jesus in our life. Well, that word is just placing value on so a higher value on God, like God is enough and God is everything. Jesus is everything. And so what the servants did was, wasn't just about the five talents, it was about the master. And they glorified the master by using those talents and those gifts. But not only is grace found in the master, and not only is it found in the service where we're, we're able to take risk and live in a specific way, and we'll revisit that again, but it's also grace is found in the reward. Let us be honest, I'm, I have em employees that I hold accountable to, and some of you guys have employees or people you hold accountable. As the master, we could have just you know, as the boss, you could have just said, well done. Great job. Great job. There was nothing, he didn't have to do anything else. And yet the, the master says what? He says, you've been faithful with a little, I will make you responsible for more. Great job. I'll just keep giving you more. He didn't have to do that, but that's grace. Because the, the moment we we, we step out on, on faith and we step out in obedience. God is there for the next step. God is there for the next step. He doesn't just say, okay, this is, just it. this is it. Now you're on your own. He's with you all the way through. The, 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 the walk of faith, the risk that you take in Christ Jesus, in the parameters of being in service to him, he is with you to the end. And because of that, there is much grace. As John uh, says, grace upon grace. There is much grace in Jesus and in God. So we see in verse 20 through 23. Now just read it again for us. Verse 20, and he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I've made five talents more. And his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. Now, growing up in church, I've heard that statement a lot. And it's always been, don't you want to finish the race strong so that when you get to heaven and you're before God, he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Yes, sure, but these guys, they just did what they knew what they were going to do, what they knew how to do. They took five talents and made five more. They took two talents and made more. There was no, like, big spiritual moment in this parable. There was no big uh, sky-opening-up moment. The master just returned, and he said, well done, good and faithful servant. 
Every one of us wants to hear that, I think, at some point. Every one of us wants to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master, the joy of your master. And he also who had the two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. It's quite a, it's quite a thought. And this has been a theme that's kind of repeated itself over this summer series. It's quite a thought to think that God rejoices over us. Like there's this idea that God, the Creator, who 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 created everything and who holds everything by the power of His Word, this this same God rejoices over you and I, rejoices over our obedience and our uh, willingness to let go and to take those risks and to walk by faith. Enter into the joy of your Master. There is grace in the reward. But finally, and this is where this is where the heart breaks a little, is the last point, there is no grace. The last point is fearful living dishonors God and devalues grace. Fearful living dishonors God and devalues grace. Verse 24. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I, I, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who, is, who has will, will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Fearful living dishonors God and devours or you know, devalues grace. I want you, do, you, do you see that, that this third servant here, the one who is given one, he takes the, the one talent and he takes it and just buries it. He does nothing with it. He buries it in the ground and he believes a lie. Reminiscent of Adam and Eve in the garden who believed a lie. He believes a lie about his master. He believes a lie that says, I knew you to be a hard man and reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. This, the master, we're told that the master knew his servants and this servant did not know his master. How many of you in here do not know God? You say you know God, but do you spend time in his word to, to know God? You say you know God, but do you spend time with him in prayer? You say you know God, but do you walk with him? Do you walk by the Spirit? 
Because there's only two types of servants in this, in this story. There's the two that were obedient and, and did something with their talents, and there's the one that did nothing. Do not compare the two talents versus the five talents. They're, they're the same person, same type of person. And it's the one that devalues God and devalues grace and dishonors God because he believed a lie and he lived in fear. Fear is going to, fear will paralyze you. There is no doubt. Fear will, it was my fear that LJ got robbed, or not robbed, but manipulated with his scooter that drove me to be a terrible father and not rejoice in the grace and the work of the Spirit in LJ's life. Fear can paralyze us. Fear keeps us from taking risks and being faithful and walking out in obedience. Fear keeps us from knowing who the Father is because we believe a lie that, that, that we're not good enough or we believe a lie that, that God doesn't love us or we believe a lie that, that he is something he is not. It's like those text messages that we get and we immediately put emotion to those text messages. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, my, this, this person is so mad at me. What are they thinking? It's just a text message. Like, you, there's no emotion in, like, you can't, it gets you in trouble every time you do it. Because you really don't know what they're thinking. You really don't know how they're feeling. You just think what you think and you think you know it. And it gets you in trouble every, almost every time. Well, likewise, this servant thought the master was this. And he was fearful. And he lived in fear. And he made his decision with those talents that reminder was given to him by the master that belonged to the master that talent he buried in the ground and did nothing with so much for expectation that the, the master would be coming back to hold him accountable so much for anticipation that he would be coming back so much for an opportunity to show gratefulness to the master so much for showing the, to glorify the master by showing him how great he is all of which were crushed by fear. And I wonder for you and I this morning how much in our lives are crushed by fear because we don't know the master or we're believing a lie or we're putting in some sort of feeling or emotion to, to something that we think we have heard from God or by somebody we respect It's troubling. It's dangerous. And as we see in this story, it dishonors God and it devalues grace. Like, I, I, I know grace is grace. Like, we can't, there's no, like, special measurement of grace. But in this circumstance, he basically shunned grace. You've given me something, and I'm going to do nothing with it. And that's how you and I are when, when, when we do not use the gifts that God has given. When we do not use the abilities and the talents that he has given us because he's done that for a reason. There is a purpose for those gifts and those talents. It's not just to show you or show people around you how good you are or how talented you are. I've 
if you, you, how many, raise your hand if you've been to the Brooks Museum. I'm fascinated by some of the paintings in there that from a distance, can't get real close, but from a distance, the sharpness and, and crispness of the colors, it almost looks like high definition. Like, the, the talents are remarkable of, of some of these painters that, that are, are displayed at the Brooks Museum. Obviously, you know, you get close and you're like, oh, I see, okay. But far away, like, there's just this, this depth to some of the colors and, and the way that they're, they're just, they're so sharp. And, but I didn't look at that painting and go, man, that's, that color is great. I looked at that painting and went, that painter is incredible. Like, how did he do this? How did, I, I'm not even going to try to name somebody, but how did that person paint this picture and make it look like that? When I stand back here, it looks like high def, and he didn't even know what high def was back then, right? Like, but that's what we are invited into. God is the painter in my illustration, and we are the artwork. And some of us are bright, crisp, HD pictures, and we're always pointing people back to the painter. Some of us are, 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 are paintings that need a lot of work, but that's okay because that's what grace is all about. That's what the gospel is all about. But some of us are just a painting that just got started, and God is writing that painting or drawing that painting for us, but, but doing so so that people will look at it and say, God is good. God is incredible. You and I are paintings. The servants in here are paintings. And the third servant who had just one botched it. He lived in fear. And he did not allow the people to see. And he did not take advantage of the opportunity that God had given him. And the master had given him. So my question for you this, this morning is, is, it's, there's several questions, actually. The first question is, what are your gifts and talents? Each one different in this room. What are those gifts and talents? And what are you doing with those gifts and talents? What is it that you are doing with those gifts and talents this morning? Are you living with anticipation and expectation? Because if you are, the reality is, and the big trump, the, the big, uh, trump card this morning is that if you're living with anticipation and in expectation and in faith, there is no risk. Because we have full assurance of grace this morning. And it doesn't matter the outcome because the outcome isn't ours anyway. Because he's in complete control and we are at service to him. And that's the beauty of this story is that God has called us and given us the ability and allows us to live risky lives, but in, in the big picture and with the trump card down, there really is no risk because, because we have experienced God and we want to, to give it all for him. We want to give it all for him. So what are your gifts and talents? And what are you doing with those gifts and those talents this morning? And then finally, Finally, um, lost my place. If you saw my notes, you'd say, yeah, I'm surprised you haven't lost it already. I promise. Um, 
Are you walking in fear? Are you living in fear? Or are you walking and living by the Spirit? Are you walking in fear? And when I say fear, I don't mean like afraid of your shadow, looking around the corners, being very pessimistic and scared all the time. I mean, are you afraid to live for Jesus? Are you afraid to, to let go of things? Are you afraid to, to come to the understanding and the realization that your kids are not yours? Are you ready to come to the realization and understanding that they are a gift from God and that they are his? Are you ready to come to the realization and understanding that your job is really not your job, but that you're placed there for a reason and to be used by God in the, in the work in which you do? Are you ready to come to the, to the understanding and realization that, that all of life, in the home, out of the home, recreating, working, uh, here in the gathering, in, in, in other people's homes, out shopping, whatever you're doing, all of it is God's kingdom. And God's kingdom is at work, and God is at work in you and through you, and he wants to use you this morning. Are you walking in fear? Or are you walking by the Spirit? Because I would argue that, that walking by the Spirit looks like letting go and letting God. Let go and let God. Should be a bumper sticker, it probably is. Let go, let God. But, it's, but it, it's true. Taking that risk, letting go and letting God take over and lead you. Instead of holding on to, to, your, to your home or holding on to whatever it may be this morning, let go and let God take it because he's going to take you places you never thought you'd dream. And he's going to take you places and take you to, into circumstances that you never thought you'd be, but it's going to be far better than anything you've ever experienced before. If he would have asked me eight years ago if I want to move to Memphis, Tennessee, I would have told you, heck No. I don't want to move to Memphis. I'm happy in Georgia. And yet, here I am, Memphis, Tennessee, and I don't want to be anywhere else. Because God worked. God led us, and we let go, and we're obedient. Don't be like Chris. Don't be like Jamie. Don't be like Brad. Don't be who God wants you to be and use the gifts that he has for you this morning. So those are my questions for you this morning. What are your gifts and talents, and what are you doing with them? And then, are you walking by the Spirit, or are you walking in fear? Because servant number three walked in fear, lived in fear, made his decisions in fear. Pray with me. Father, we thank you for your word, your word that is powerful and true, your word that is brings light in dark places. So we ask that your word would pierce our hearts, enlighten even the darkest of places, God, that we would know you and know you more, and that we would walk by faith and take risks for you. Because we know that when we're walking by the Spirit, and we're living for you, that there is really no risk at all because you got it. Thank you for loving us and for speaking to us this morning. I pray your word does not stop here, 
but that your spirit continues to work on us later today, tonight, tomorrow, the next day, and the next day, God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.